Yo, yo, welcome in uh, to another edition of Preferred Lines. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about golf gambling. We're going to go through this week the AT&T Byron Nelson. Excuse me real quick. I'm just getting the YouTube link out there for people. If you are joining us here via Twitter, thank you. Uh, happy to have you once again. Uh, I love a lot of you guys join in every week. Feel free to drop a comment, a like, a subscribe. All that stuff is of great help to me. And I genuinely appreciate it. So feel free to do so. On tap for this week, like always, we're going to start with a course preview. I'm going to go through a little bit of TPC Craig Ranch, some of the cliff notes, quick version there, uh, some key stats. I have a special guest joining me to go all the way through the odds board that I'm excited to talk to. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up kind of with my best bet. Uh, do a little Q&A. So if you have any questions, please. Um, also, if you are on the YouTube page, I am still giving away free Preferred Line swag. I got some T-shirts. Uh, drop a comment on the video. Leave your Twitter handle in there. I'd be happy to send you a, a free T-shirt for those of you willing to, to support the podcast. It is always greatly appreciated. Um, I have a couple of great sponsors as well I'm going to touch on a little bit later in the show. So I appreciate you guys. Make sure to leave your Twitter handle in there, too, so I know where to contact you and reach out via DM so that I can get your address and all that good stuff. Speaking of sponsors, Fantasy Points, PGA, up in the top right corner, you see their logo there. I am a proud member of their media group. Um, they do an awesome job providing PGA DFS content, projections, optimizers. They have an incredible group of sort of content creators over there that are putting stuff out there not only for free but behind a paywall for subscribers uh, you can use the promo code lines 22 will get you 10 percent off your monthly subscription there i believe they have weekly maybe yearly as well uh, but they're continuing to roll out just a bunch of a bunch of good stuff so um we appreciate them. They appreciate us. I'm happy to bring on a guest who's a member of their team here in just a minute. But before we do so, I'm going to go through a quick little preview here of TPC Craig Ranch. Here we go. Uh, McKinney, Texas. TPC Craig Ranch, par 72 golf course, 7,468-yard Tom Weisskopf design. Uh, bent grass greens like last week, but we're going to see Zoysia fairways, which you're going to hear a lot, which... Uh, you know, are a little bit of a unique surface. Last year was the first time this event was played at this new home location at Craig Ranch, where KH Lee at a big number long shot, my type of event, won at 25 under par, where he edged out Samuel Burns. Um, cut line, minus six. Holy crap. You're going to have to go really low here. I know last year had very favorable conditions. I'm not sure if we're quite expecting that this year. But the course just sets up for for birdie opportunities and guys to go out there and play it a la Corn Ferry Tour type event where you just go out there and you try to shoot as many birdies as humanly possible. Uh, Burns, I mentioned him last year, shot the course record of a 62, tying Ryan Palmer's unofficial course record there. Uh, Burns obviously did that in tournament play. Some quick notes, six widest fairways on tour. And that I think is more important and emphasized because of the sort of Zoysia fairway. So you don't quite get as much roll on this type of grass. So those already wide fairways are actually play even wider. So it's really sort of um, a bomber's paradise, which is a quote from Bryson DeChambeau heading into this event last year. Now, I know the leaderboard necessarily didn't speak to that last year. Um, but if you listen to some of the quotes from the players before that event, as you listen to some of the quotes leading into this week, I think it's important to keep tabs on that. Um, the guys who really hit it far love it here. Second easiest last year in terms of strokes gain around the green. The greens and regulation percentage was incredibly high. Uh, I think somewhat assisted by those softer conditions. Water in play on 13 holes. As I mentioned, Weisskopf TPC design. To me, I haven't heard this a whole lot, but that screams um, waste management to me. And Phoenix, um, I've heard a lot of TPC Southwinds. I think because of the Zoysia comparisons, I think Eastlake has those type of fairways as well. Played as the fifth easiest course on tour last year. As I mentioned, you're going to need a lot of birdies. And this could turn in to John Rahm's favorite, a piece of shit putting contest. But we'll see. We got one week until the second major of the season. Key stats for the week. Here's what I'm looking at. Ball striking, par five scoring. This is what I got in the model. Strokes gain total 
on easy scoring conditions and opportunities gained on easy scoring conditions. So one thing that I do think is helpful is pull those two stats, right? And when you're making a model in Fantasy National or wherever you use, pull those two stats with easy scoring conditions and then take those same two stats and filter it out for hard scoring conditions. And what that would allow you to do when you pull those four together is see players that separate themselves and tend to play better on birdie fest on these type of conditions. Um, I think that that's helpful just to understand players that are are favor a really tough, difficult test and players that favor a course where you can go out there and play super, super aggressive and you don't have to worry about making bogey and par as much. You just go out there, stick it as close as you can, make the butt. Birdie or better rates, driving distance, like I mentioned, I'm going to factor in heavily. I'll ask our guests here in a second and putting. Uh, without further ado, let's kick it to the odds board. I'm Proud and happy and thrilled to welcome in a good friend of mine and guest to the show this week. He is a member of the team over at Fantasy Points PGA, who is uh, you know, a supporter of this show. We're happy to have him on here to talk to us more about that and the odds boards. Welcome to Preferred Lines, my man, Hunter Vanessa at Huntman10 on Twitter. What's up, dude? Not much, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I think I've been a fan of the preferred lines show for over a year now big shout out to chad and i love what you two have been doing for a long time now you two are definitely the two uh kings of content on twitter for sure so <laughs> really appreciate you having me on here and i'm pumped to uh, talk about the odds board dude i appreciate that a professional <laughs> in the making yourself keeping yourself <laughs> muted backstage popping that in um so you do the show on mondays kind of early like a little bit earlier in the evening talk to us a little bit about that plug that show tell us where we can find more of your stuff over at fantasy points before we dig into the board here yeah for sure so at fantasy points i do a um, early tea time live show which is the name of it um it's a early uh, Monday, you know, course preview. It goes along with my course preview and uh, event preview article on Fantasy Points. Um, I highlight really a lot of what you said in about five minutes, but I go a little more in depth, I guess. I think you hit everything perfectly. Uh, like you said, the Cliff, the uh, Cliff Notes version of the course this week. But um, that's kind of what I talk about on the show. Um, again, just the course in general, key stats, of course. Uh, we look at the field just at a glance. Um, try and do maybe a first look at DraftKings salaries too, because they're usually um, released a few hours before the show too. So um, very similar to what you do here. I know you do a lot of the betting stuff. I try and do a little more DFS side too. And um, I know we kind of intertwine both of those at times too. So yeah, really um, excited to keep going with fantasy points. I love what they're doing out there. And um, yeah, like I said, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, they're making a huge push. I, to be quite frankly, on the course preview stuff, I tend to piggyback off guys like you, Andy, PGA Tout, these guys that put a ton of research and emphasis in. My research, like, it boils down to what I keep is a Google Drive document that I've had going for about four years. And what I'll do is after every tournament, I'll jot down like eight or nine or ten notes about it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's relevant and sometimes it's not. So a course where we're relatively new and we don't have a whole lot of information besides one year. I really kind of rely on you guys and then I basically plagiarize and copy and paste and regurgitate <laughs> it here on this show. But that being said, let's get to the odds board for the Byron Nelson um, at the top Hunter. We've got Scotty Scheffler on the top of the odds board for maybe the first time. I can't remember what he was coming into the masters, but I believe maybe Rom or Thomas were slightly ahead of him. Yeah. He's at 10 to one. Then we get Justin Thomas. We get a good field this week. You know, I think primarily because of Southern Hills being next week and players trying to get some reps in that we haven't seen a whole lot on DJ there at uh 22, I believe is the best number. Jordan Spieth, Samuel Burns, Will Zalatoris, Xander, Brooks, all good players. Any leans for you kind of up top there? Yeah, so I, I don't know about you, I guess, but I tend to stay away from the 10 to 1, 12 to 1. Those are more DFS plays for me. I just, I'm not really betting in golf for 10 to 1 plays, I guess. That's just my personal preference. What about you? I guess I'll ask you that first. Yeah, so I'm 100% that same way, but this week, I don't know, man. So I, I actually have pulled the trigger on someone in this range, and it's steeper than I normally ever go. Those of you who follow the show will notice that I typically don't start until 25 to 1. 
I kind of think this is Justin Thomas's week to notch a victory. And the reason that I say that is I do have a lot of question marks around the other guys in this field that I don't necessarily have about JT in terms of reps, in terms of form, in terms of motivation. Those three factors, I really think that he's on the precipice of victory and he feels that. And not that it's adding necessarily a pressure to it. I think it's just adding incentive for him um, because he knows that it's been a little while. He knows that he's close. And I think this presents a good opportunity. Spieth just got that victory. DJ had the wedding. Um, Brooks had the bachelor party pre-wedding. Xander had the team event. Like, there's a lot of things. We haven't seen Scotty in a little while. Is he really going to win every time that he tees it up? Um, a lot of these question marks around these other names, I feel like he could separate. And one of the other things I looked at, um, his, I mentioned it earlier on the show, when you sort the strokes gain data by easier golf courses, he's really sort of separated himself as of late. He's actually fairly long off the tee, surprisingly, longer than DJ, yeah. longer than Brooks, longer than Xander, longer than Scotty right now in terms of driving distance, longer than Zalatoris. Um, I had him 12th, I believe, overall in the field. Yep. I just think a lot of things set up well for him, and I'm going to kind of break my normal mold and go up and reach for a Justin Thomas 12-1. to 1. I like that. I've really been going off of the narrative of where are players' you know, motivations this week. Uh, especially since it's an event before a major. But that was really the only thing I was considering. I didn't dive that deep into it, like you said, with the weddings. And um, you mentioned it too. I mean, JT hasn't had a win yet this year. So um, it's been a while since he's been in that winner's circle, since he's raised, uh, raised a trophy too. So um, I like JT quite a bit. 12 to 1, you know, that's usually what we see it for JT, you know, unless he's been playing terrible. But you don't, <laughs> don't really want to play him at, you know, when he's been in a bad form, of course, too. So I like JT. Um, yeah, you're right. 12th in driving distance. I You mentioned it earlier. I do think driving distance will play in quite a bit. Do I you? Think, okay. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. Yeah, I just think it's kind of similar to what we saw a couple weeks ago um, at Vidanta um, for the Mexico hmm. Open. It Just wide open fairways. There's not a whole lot of issues off the tee. Yeah, there's water on, I think, 13 holes. The rough is about two and a half inches long. So that's a little penalizing, but not as bad as last week, of course. So I do right. think distance will you know, definitely be an advantage um, just because, again, these fairways are pretty wide open. And um, I'll definitely be factoring that in quite a bit, too. So, yeah, I like JT quite a bit. What what about Scheffler, I guess? I mean, I know what are your concerns with him? And I mean, if you're going to bet one at one of these two numbers, of course, what makes you I know. over him and this is like such a stupid narrative hunter but i'm like <laughs> and i usually don't buy into this like chad was big on this team of like once once you win the candle like the flame you know goes out and it's like so hard and so many things have to go your way in order to notch victory on the pga tour that how could you possibly have every one of those things work in your favor again um, that said, it's been he's on such a scorching hot run right now after winning the Masters. You know, I hate to do too much of the mentality and narrative thing, but he's been doing the sort of green jacket circuits on the late night shows and the <laughs> ballparks and the throwing out the first pitch and all these type of things and enjoying himself, which he should. Yeah. Um, is it a great golf course for him? Yes, I think long term, he's probably around. If you could have one for the next five years, I would still take Justin Thomas. Um, I just think that his consistency is there. I worry about his putting, but ultimately he's probably the best ball striker in the field. I have him ranked second overall. I actually have Zalatoris ranked slightly ahead of him, but he's doing everything really well. The opportunities are there, second there, third in stroke gain total on easy courses, top five and par five scoring. A lot of things really align for me. And it's just a matter of, can Scotty really do it again? You know, this is why you're really good, Joe, because you bring up random um, like talking points like long year or long term, you know, five year look ahead uh, between JT and Scheffler. Um, I think why I'm leaning Scheffler is because I've been on the opposite end and I've been thinking the same way as what you've been saying there is there's no way he can keep winning. And I said that after the waste management and he goes out and wins at the, uh, the API, right? 
Yep. Um, you know, the match play, that was a little more predictable, I guess, since he's playing in Texas. But that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Scheffler is because of that Texas narrative, of course. And it's a good fit for him, too. I mean, both of these guys are going to rank amazingly, um, depending on, regardless of what stat you look at. Of course, they've been playing really well over the last um, 24 rounds in general. Um, Scheffler, of course, first in strokes gain total. He's uh, ninth in tee to green. Um, ninth and putting as well. And I guess that is one thing, you know, we to that I could use as maybe a reason to fade him too. But um, I don't know. I guess I'd take Sheffler. I guess we can have a smaller <laughs> one-on-one bet between the two there. But I I, I don't know. I, that's a good, good uh, toss-up between the two, I think. It is a really good toss-up. And I think, like, I love Scotty. I just um, – I, I... I don't know. I think it's just Justin Thomas's time. I keep coming back to like full motivation for Thomas. And I heard him on the, our, our, you know, our buddies over on B right when he was on there and he was like, it's close. You could tell it's frustrating for him um, that he hasn't won and that can work negatively and impact you. And it can also work positively. I don't think it's gotten to the point where it's been three or four years since he won. And now it's this huge, heavy monkey on his back. I think it's to the point where he's uber motivated right now. And I just wonder, is it possible for Scotty to match that level of motivation, basically achieving his life's dreams? Like everything is going his way. Everything is going so perfectly. Um, do you have the same desire to win and to put in the effort and to put in the practice before? Um, that's my only concern. Is it valid? It, it's yet to be seen. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, like I said, I just have so many scars from thinking that way that I've kind of flipped my switch and said, you know, I kind of have to play him now. Like, I'm not going to fade him anymore because he's just burned me so many times by thinking there's no way he can win at Augusta now, right? <laughs> um, I know. So, uh, we'll see. What guess- about, like, all right, Brooks is my guy through and through. I'm not going to bet him this week. And I think it's a valid number at 35 to one on a course with wide open fairways that has a bomber narrative. I have seen him hit that Strixon driver better at times. He looks perfectly balanced. I think it's close to clicking. I'm just, my concern with Brooks is if it's going to be 22 under par, those aren't the type of tournaments he really wins um, on a consistent basis. And I think that it's more, for him as a tune-up to sort of get his game right for Southern Hills where he's gearing up from. And I know that he's hasn't afforded himself the luxury to continue to think like that. He could think like that three years ago. No longer. It's been a year and a half since he won, and it was a long time before then. He should be preparing for every tournament to win, but I still have those concerns, and I'm actually willing to pass on this 35-1 to 1 number. What do you see out of like Brooks, out of Xander, out of Zalatoris? I'll even lump in there. Guys who ha- it's been a while since they had victory for Zalatoris ever. Yeah. Um, do you do you like any of them this week to sort of get off the quote unquote schneid? Yeah, well, starting with Zalatoris, I guess I think he's gonna be the chalk bet, the chalk DFS play um, from Dallas. I believe he said he's played this course hundreds of times. I think he said that last year. Mm-hmm. It's tough for me to see him getting to minus 25 minus 20 even i think a decision that we have to make you know as better as before is where do we see this you know winning score ending up do we think the wind is i mean what do you think i guess do you think the wind is gonna play much of a factor i don't think it was that windy last year and i know it was wet beforehand as well do you think the winning score will be closer to minus 15 or again closer to that minus 25 side uh, probably, or I would say like 21, 22. I mean, it's going to get up there. The wind looks a little bit up on Thursday, but the rest of the time it's totally down. The thing Hunter, when like these tournaments start to get to 20 is it brings a lot more guys into play. Like this is where you see KH Lee win. This is where you see all of these guys, JJ spawn and these guys pop up kind of out of nowhere and get these victories. When it's 10 under par as a winning score, believe it or not, it actually separates the players at the top. And I feel like it gives them an added little bump because it demands precision. It demands accuracy. And where these guys separate themselves um, is, is very minute. And it's on the ball striking. It's on the approach. It's on 
windy conditions, a difficult approach shot from 200 yards away, and you've got to hit a five iron there into the wind and get it to stick on the green. That's where Thomas and DJ and these guys sort of separate themselves from the KH Lees of the world. When everyone's hitting the fairway and everyone's hitting the green and it comes down to who holds the most 15 to 20 foot putts on the week, I just think it brings a whole lot more guys into contention. And I like to your point, I don't think those conditions are ideal for Will Zalatoris trying to get his first victory. I don't think those conditions are ideal for Xander, who really leans on that ball striking when he's at his best, or even Brooks to a degree, who grinding out par is important to Brooks. That is his strength. When you have to, when a lot of players have to get up and down and find a way to maintain focus in tough conditions and grind out par, I love him there. When it's go out there and it's shoot at pins and it's basically play four days of a Monday qualifier type attitude and mindset, it it just brings these guys a lot more guys into the into the fold. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it will be tougher conditions. I mean, tougher. It's still a pretty easy course than last year. But, I mean, if you look at KH Lee, I was looking at his stats. I mean, he really was almost perfect last year. I think he was 65 in the first two rounds, 66, 67, positive. I think he was like top 20 in all those major stat categories that we always bring up. So, I think the second uh, was Sam Burns at minus 22. I think we'll see closer to that, especially if it's a little windier. It's a little, you know, a little firmer um, as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, but you're right. I don't, for that reason alone, that's why I'm kind of avoiding most of this range. I, I'll give you a name, the same odds at Brooks. I kind of like Hideki Matsuyama this week. Okay. Um, he's literally positive in almost every stat category. There's no red on his fantasy national, uh, you know, profile in general, uh, at least through the last 24 rounds. I know he's been dealing with, uh, I believe, the neck injury, right? Um, but mm-hmm. I think he's looking – I think he's motivated in this event to go out and play well. I know you could say it's a tune-up, but um, – and like you said, too, I when we think of guys who um, – bogey avoidance players, I kind of think of Hideki, but he also ranks really well in birdies are better uh, over the last 24 rounds. I think he's top five in that category, too. So that really surprised yes. me as well. Um he ranks well in a lot of different categories that I've been looking at for um, key stats. You mentioned a few of them, of course. Approach is going to be big and ball striking on these birdie fests too. But he ranks um, in the top five in proximity from 200 plus. Um, I think he, yeah, like I said, top five in birdie or better percentage. Top five in approach. Tita Green in the last 24 rounds. So I like Hideki, and I think I think I'm more attracted to this number more than anything. If he was like, let's say he played. Um, gosh, last week even, and he finished inside the top 20. Wouldn't we see closer to 20 to one instead of this 35 to one number? Yeah, 100%. And you know what? I think if he didn't have the flare up at the players, um, we'd be seeing closer to 25 as well. 14th at the Masters wasn't all that bad considering he bled a lot out putting. 20th at the Arnold Palmer before that. Top 10 at Phoenix, obviously one at Sony, obviously one at Zozo, both sort of throughout the early season. So he's on quite a little run. I really like that a lot. And when I did my sort of sorting on opportunities game, which is basically a stat on Fantasy National that's telling you um, for you guys out there how many good birdie looks these guys are giving themselves. Eighth in the field in terms of opportunities gain on easy scoring conditions on golf course. Some guys that aren't good, Spieth, 97th. DJ 80th, Brooks 138, um, Zalatoris 92 to your point. So on these tournaments that really demand that, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of shorter irons in and it's just stick them close and give yourself good looks on greens that are easy to hit. um, Hideki has fared very well there. Yeah, I like that. And like I said, probably more of an attractive number to me. Um, I'm not going to hammer it by any means, but yeah, I, I like that quite a bit. And like you said, with all these guys, motivations up in the air with a lot of them. I think he's looking at this event as I got to I don't need he doesn't have to, but he's looking to play well. Um, he wants a good you know, result going into next week's PGA Championship, trying to add another major to his belt. So um, he's just played so well since his Masters win last year. I didn't think that he was really much of a birdie scorer, especially before the Masters win. But he's gotten in the upper teens, um, you know. Minus 16, I think, um, in his second second place finish at Memphis last year. 
Um, so he can get up there if he needs to. But yes, yeah, Sony played great in that final round, especially that back nine made a ton of birdies there as well. So kind of keeping it moving throughout this sort of 35 to let's say 55 range. I'm going to name some just odds here uh, before I ask you your take on them. Joaquin Neiman is 35 to one. Haven't heard much on him this week. Taylor Gooch is 45 to one over at DraftKings. Kokrak 50 to one, one in Texas, uh, either through the fall or last year. I'm not sure. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood 50 to one has been playing good. Aaron Wise had a little turnaround 55 to one. Hadwin's been playing good 55 to one. Jason Day played pretty good for two rounds last week at 55 to one has played well in Texas before Johnny Vegas 55 to one. Um, our guy here in the chat five or Cinco's Dave said, all I heard you say was Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. When I was talking about the course preview. Yeah. He sets up really well. Obviously had came back from the injury last week and played awesome. Mav McNeely is another one, 55 to one. Any names in there, Hunter, that got your attention? Definitely. I got a couple here and I'll ask your opinion on this narrative when I'm done here. I'm kind of riding off the narrative of guys who aren't currently in the PGA championship next week. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, they get that automatic bid right to play next week. We saw JJ Spawn do it um, a few months or a month ago, um, and he got that automatic bid to the um, to the Masters after his uh, Valero Texas win. But I also think like they're looking at this week, knowing they have a week off next week too. Like there's no reason to hold it back this week um, by any means. But and they're also, I mean, Vegas hasn't. Vegas is my first one that I'll talk about. And Aaron Wise, they haven't won in a while like you said, with uh, Justin Thomas. And I just think they're really looking for a win here, especially, again, to ride that narrative that I was uh, talking about. So, again, first one that I like is Vegas at 55-1. to 1. He finished ninth here last year. Um, and he was positive in every stat category at uh, TPC Craig Ranch um, last year. And I just think that he fits this course really well. Um, overall, he's first in strokes gained on par fives, uh, sixth in approach, 15th in ball striking, sixth in uh, birdies are better, and just 10th in uh, overall strokes gained too. So again, he's not in the PGA Championship. I think he's got that little extra incentive to uh, perform well and hopefully get that uh, invite next week. And he's also a University of Texas alum too. So he's played these Texas courses before. He's definitely no stranger to Texas golf by any means. So I said it on my show, he fits that trifecta that I'm looking for. Um, not playing next week. He has a really good course fit. He's playing pretty well. Um, and he's from Texas, to, or he's went to college in Texas too. So he fits this, um, the area as well. So I like Johnny Vegas. I will likely um, have him on my card. I think 55 to one, not a bad number um, by any means, in my opinion. What yeah, do you think I think he sets up great in a lot of the stat models. I love that narrative um, because here's why. For a lot of these guys that aren't in and are maybe middle, let's call them middle tier PGA Tour players, the PGA championships, the one you can really win, I think. Um, and especially for a lot of these guys like us opens are going to be won by the best players. Masters are such an emphasis on, um, first of all, getting in is difficult. And second, if you are in, there's such an advantage to being a guy that is regularly there. Um, look at last year. I mean, Phil won at 250 to one Jimmy Walker's one. Jason Duffner, Y.E. Yang, um, Keegan Bradley. These are all like sort of very middle tier career PGA Tour players who have gotten that major at the PGA Championship. This is within the last 10 years. Um, so very much. I know Brooks has two in there, but for the most part, you can really see these long shots kind of take advantage. And the more that I dive into Southern Hills. Um, I think a lot of guys are going to be in play next week. We'll, of course, get to that then. But yeah. love that narrative of a guy like Vegas who's playing really well and has extra motivation to get into a major championship where he could potentially really make a splash for his career. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm all over Vegas this week. Um, like I said, it just fits the course really well. And he's been trending so well over the last year, even before his ninth place finish here at TPC uh, Craig Ranch. He's just been trending upward and he's been around. He's had some top 10 finishes in the last year. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see him uh, win and get that bid into the uh, PGA next week. Yeah, moving down the list here, you see Seamus Power, uh, Cameron Champ there at 55-1. Getting into the 60s, we've got Davis Riley. Davis Riley right there with Adam Scott. Wow, how the, how that sort of changed. <laughs> Alex Noren, yeah. 
Eric Van Ruyen, Mark Leishman, Siwoo Kim, who I believe used to be a member here, Bubba, who's sort of on his way out to the Live Tour here soon, Brian Harmon, who's playing really well. Here's a guy who I bet. I took a 60, and there's a 66 out there now that you can see, but um, I got Mark Leishman, man. I just think that Leishman's ball striking numbers have actually been um, pretty solid. I got him seven, I got him 37th in the field, and his opportunities gain and strokes gain total on easy golf courses get a nice little bump. So he's 13th in one and 10th in strokes gain total on easy golf courses. I just have a feeling this week that it's a decent number on Leish, who I think is playing a little bit better than um, a lot of people would recognize. 21st actually played this event last year and finished 21st gained 2.6 on approach in that event and he's had some good runs through texas i know texas has a lot of comparisons to sort of the aussie narratives with the wind um, but he has two third place finishes at this event back at the byron nelson when it was back at tpc los colinas and a second at the byron nelson when it was at trinity forest so I know those are different courses, still the same sort of region, still the same time of the year in May in Texas in those sort of similar conditions. And he's finished, you know, three top threes there. Um, so while it's a different course, I still think this sets up equally well for him. Gunleishman can be wild off the tee. So I think these extra wide fairways can only sort of help him tee it up nice and then fairways on that zoysia grass for him and hopefully he has one of those weeks where um he scrambles his butt off chips one or two in and makes a lot of putts yeah i like that a lot that's another number for a guy with a lot of win equity in my opinion yeah um you like you said he's been great tee to green um over the last few events he was pretty decent um at wells fargo as well he gained on approach he just had that terrible hole where he yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 the bunker and the water and all that. I think he yeah. lost almost all of his strokes on a, around the green on that hole alone. So if you take that out, I think you don't have the miscut from last week. He's got a lot of top 30 finishes. Um, he's been playing well this year. He's gained on approach almost every event. So, yeah, I like the Leishman play. And, again, that's another attractive number for a guy with a lot of win equity. Yeah, keep moving, just keeping moving down the board, uh, starting at 80 to 1, you get Lanto Griffin, you get Matt Kuchers, who's on a decent little run here. I hear has a lot of course history as well. Sebastian Munoz, Sepp Straka there at 80, Keith Mitchell at 80, Mito Pereira, who was going to be very popular before he pulled out a couple of weeks ago. You can get from 65 to 1 at DraftKings all the way to 90 to 1. Where, which book is this? This is Bet365, who has a lot of the best numbers this week as well, if you have access there. Um, then we start to get to 101 guys, anyone, and you can even stretch it to 101 if you want, Hunter and above. Any guy down here that's kind of caught your eye for sure, yeah. A couple here, um, Kurt Kitayama, I think he's 110 to one. I think that's gone down quite a bit. He's playing awesome, um, yeah. He's just been playing so well, and he matches a lot of the stats that we've been talking about. Great from 200 plus yards on approach. Um, he's a really great birdie or better, um, scorer as well. He, a lot of the courses that we've seen over the last few weeks have been long and have required players to use long irons on approach. So same thing this week here at TPC Craig Ranch. I think uh, Kitayama is a great bet. I think he's going to be a chalky DFS play. I'd love that. Do you ever like fade guys in DFS and then bet them in outrights to kind of, I don't want to say hedge, but avoid the chalk and not have to worry about it? Yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm kind of weird in DFS though, where um, I don't, like I don't put as much emphasis on chalk and ownership in DFS. Like if I think a guy is going to play well, I'll play him. Um, Whether he's 25% owned or 15% owned. I know that there's certain contests where that game theory can really sort of trickle in, but we're just speaking from a personal perspective where I've had success in DFS and where I've had a couple of big victories I didn't factor that in at all. And I ate some of the biggest chalk of the week. And those guys ended up playing well, because to me, I feel like um, if I have a strong opinion on someone and everything's telling me to take him, whether one in every four people take him or one in every six people take him doesn't really matter if that guy ultimately plays as well as I think he's going to. Yeah, but uh, you bring up a good point. That's the worst, too, is when you fade someone because of ownership, even though you had a great feeling (laughs) on them all week. So. 
Um, yeah, I like that. But um, sorry, but Cam Young last week. Like I yeah. think everyone. I mean, he was extremely popular in betting, and everyone rushed to get the forty to one number. And there were a lot of people that ended up fading him in DFS because of the ownership, which was very high because he was a yeah. great price. But he was a great price for a reason. He's he's it's a perfect. It was a great course fit for him. He's been playing awesome. It's his region of the country. It's his yeah. type of surfaces that he's familiar with. And the guy storms and finishes third. So everyone who didn't take him at whatever was he eight grand flat or whatever the price was, it was yeah. super cheap, uh, missed out. So it's like there's too many of those for me to ignore and sort of, um, you know, totally duck the ownership. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, you could go drive yourself crazy by just thinking about that too much. So I, I'm with you. Um, yeah. Like Anyone else in this in this sort of hundreds that you like? Yep. Uh, Kitayama, like I said, Munoz is less than 100. I kind of like him. He's just been okay. really consistent recently. I know he had a few WDs beforehand, but he proved that that wasn't too big of an issue when he uh, performed well at Mexico. He has seven top 40s in a row, um, but not much better than a top 20, I guess. So he's more of a top 40 bet. It starts at even odds for top 40 and obviously gets better uh, the lower that you get on that. So I think that's more of a placement bet for me, but he's gained on approach and off the tee in all seven of those events. He's been really consistent. T29 at Mexico at much higher odds. So I feel like if you love them at Mexico on a very similar uh, course, I, I feel like you got to play them here, especially in DFS. So Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, JJ Spawn is up there, one in Texas a couple of weeks ago at yeah. 125 to one. Tom Hoagie's got a lot of good narratives here. Ryan Palmer, I mentioned, has uh, an, an unofficial course record here and plays this course quite often. He's 125 to one on Fandle. 80 to one on DraftKings, so some good expected number value there. Um, Luke List had a pretty good week last week. Yeah. Matt Neesmith's been playing good. Matt Wolf popped out of nowhere last week. <laughs> I'm going to give you the floor here to give me like you know I love my long shots, and I'm going to save yep. mine for tomorrow's little video that I do. But uh, maybe give me one, give me your favorite long shot this week that's going to KH Lee this thing and take it down. Well, I don't know if he'll KH Lee, but I do like Matthew Wolf this week. I always say with guys like Gary Woodland, I know I'm getting you here. I know <laughs> this is exactly what you wanted, right? But yep. with guys like Woodland, uh, Ricky Fowler, I said it about Matthew Wolf too. Like I've got to see something from you before you know I start to play you or I start to put money on you. Otherwise, like if you continue to bet Matthew Wolf over this <laughs> – Last year or so, you're probably, you know, driving yourself crazy, like I said earlier. So, um, yeah, Wolf, again, another one of those numbers. I think I'm more interested in him at, uh, next week at Southern Hills because I think he just tends to play good on these tougher courses, especially when you least expect it to. So, um Go ahead on Wolf. I, you got to say. No, something. I have. I have him, dude. I took Wolf in every major back in December at 125 to one, except for the British Open, I think. Um, so I have him. I have him here. I, I don't know why. I just felt like things were really, really trending in the fall. He actually threw that fall swing, led the PGA Tour in scoring average. Then he lost it. But he goes through these ups and downs. Yeah. I just still am a believer that the ceiling is there, and I've always had this belief that there is a desire and a separating factor. Like when you look at the, if there were a, an ingredients list on players, like the back of a cereal box, there's this like winning ingredient in a guy that some guys just have and some guys just don't. And he's done it his entire life. Now, has he been prolific on the PGA Tour thus far? No, but he competed in a very difficult U.S. Open at Winged Foot. He's competed in other big-time majors, a PGA Championship. Um, he competed at Torrey Pines. He won a PGA Tour event in like his first six months on the tour. He won all through college, so I know that it's within him. Positive things, positive signs last week, gaining four strokes, tee to green. His first time gaining tee to green in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starts. Um, I would like to see a little bit more. I already have that number for next week, and you may have talked to him and me into him this week. <laughs> yeah, again, another one of those numbers. Um, you said it. I mean, just the win equity. I mean, do you really think – I don't. I can't imagine Vernon Todd – winning any, any much more than I can Matthew Wolf. So like I said, another win equity thing. Um, I think I might save it for next week at Southern Hills. I think you probably could have gotten a better number before he played well uh, this last week, of course. But yeah, I think there's no issue with playing him this week. And he's um, 
I don't know if I guess I don't know his uh, Texas course history, but like you said, he won at Minnesota, which I think is a similar course to what we'll see this week. Another TPC course, too. You're right. Yeah. TPC course with a lot of par fives that you can score on a decent bit of water off there, but really a place that you can um, take advantage and leverage his strengths off the tee. Now, when you look at fantasy national, a lot of it's going to look very red for Matthew Wolf, uh, but the driving distance isn't still top three in the field. So he still gets it out there a long way. If he can hit some fairways, Really, to me, a lot of it is is mental with him, yeah. um, as he alluded to. So some positive signs, maybe a little bit of change in attitude. Um, I think he's struggling with some things off the course. So I, I'm rooting for him to, to get it right. But um, good call there, Hunter. I really listen. I appreciate you coming on the show. Tell everyone again where they can follow you and where they can see some more of your content. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again for having me on, Joe. You can find me on Twitter at Huntman10. That's where I really put out a most our majority of my stuff. I'll put out my DFS cheat sheet on Wednesday. You can see that on Twitter. Uh, all the other content that I put out is on Fantasy Points. You can see my event and course preview uh, that was posted today, and you can catch the replay of my early tea time live uh, stream earlier today as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again, Joe. And, you know, maybe I think I'll join you on the Wolf uh, bet this week. Hopefully we can cash a big one. I appreciate it, man. Best of luck this week. Uh, thanks again, Huntman10, Hunter Vaness. Appreciate you coming on, buddy. You bet. Thanks, man. Talk appreciate soon. It. See you. All right. Good dude right there. Check him out of his stuff out over at Fantasy Points. Now I'm going to get to uh, my best bet of the week, which I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. Now this is going to be brought to you by our buddies over at Fantasy Golf Pod, uh, my boy Chad. Eric, all the guys over there, they do the Golf Guys program. Coming to you live, I believe, still on Thursday. So um, check their stuff out. They are huge supporters of my show. I'm supporters of them. This is my best bet of the week, brought to you by Fantasy Golf Pod. I said it earlier. I don't like going up top here, but I'm doing it this week. Justin Thomas, best bet of the week. Second in ball striking over the last 24 rounds. Opportunities gained on easy golf courses. Also second, fifth in par five scoring over the last 24 rounds. He's going to be able to eat these things up this week. And I mentioned the driving distance. Longer than Scotty, longer than Brooks, longer than DJ, longer than Zalatoris. He pumps it out there now for a guy of, you know, he looks like he's 160 pounds soaking wet. Pounds the ball off the tee. I think this is a good setup. All the motivation to sort of tuck a win under his belt before getting back to that PGA championship, trying to hoist another trophy there. Recent form trending 35th, 8th, 3rd, 33rd, 6th, 8th. He's close. Needs a decent putting week. These greens are easy. They're flat. I think he gets it done this week, and I'm taking the 12 to 1. Those odds 66 to 1. I forgot to remove that from Brian Harmon last week. Played pretty well. Um, JT 12 to one. That's my best bet of the week. Um, I'm going to get to a quick question that I did see from Patrick earlier in the show, Hoagie or Keith Mitchell. I'm going to take Keith Mitchell, Patrick. Um, I just had it pulled up here. Give me one quick second. Yeah. Second in par five scoring 19th in birdies are better gain. I know it's not Bermuda grass, but still, I think that he can really leverage his length off the tee and Tom Hoagie. I like more on a place where he's going to be able to hit a lot of pitching wedge, hit a lot of nine irons, hit a lot of sand wedge. He sticks those clubs close, uh, consistently like at pebble, um, like at these shorter type courses. I don't think this is necessarily that there's always just going to slow it down a little bit. Is it going to play firmer this year? I believe so, but uh, I still lean Keith Mitchell in that scenario. Thank you for your question. Don't forget to drop your a comment. Tell me you like the show in the chat. Leave me your Twitter handle. Tell me your shirt size. I may pick you to be the winner like I did for someone last week and um, send you a free shirt as a token of my appreciation from the Preferred Lines podcast. Okay, what do you say we do a little final thoughts? I mean, just a second. I'm going to bring up the banner here. This is brought to you by Pies Picks. Um, dude, they have some awesome stuff on there. You can really leverage some situations on Prize Picks if you get out in front of that. The data golf stuff where it's showing you the over-under on on scoring average on a hole because they leave them posted, right? I probably should, They probably don't want me saying this, but promo code PL100 is going to get you a $100 deposit match. Please use that. Please sign up for prize picks. 
Download it in the App Store, PL100. What I was mentioning was you could check out how the hole was playing earlier in the morning and then take the over-under. It's usually four and a half on a par five. If it's playing difficult, you just take the over, you put a couple parlays in, you make some money. If it's playing easy, you take the under, you put a couple parlays in, you make some money. Take advantage of information that is out there. You might do okay on prize picks. Uh, $100 deposit match. That's pretty good, too. That's about as good as you'll see out there. All right, final thoughts. I love doing this segment. This is where I talk about, um, I don't know, just stuff that's a little bit different that maybe not anyone else is talking about. If you're just here for the golf stuff, like I always say, feel free to check out now. But here are my final thoughts for this week. And it's perspective. And it's Max Homa, baby. And it's the role that the mind and your brain can play in sort of manipulating physical outcomes in your body. Max Homa, quote from Sunday after the victory, his fourth in a very short time frame. I saw $18,000 in a year. I remember feeling very, very small. No hope to make a cut. I carry that with me because I've seen it. Um, now this, before I get too much into it, this is not meant to indicate that Keegan did anything wrong or improper on Sunday, but meant to cement the case of the impact of positivity, of perspective, of how the mind can really dictate how your body reacts in certain situations, how your body and your hands in golf react to stress, how your body and your approach react to anxiety, react to pressure. Um, your mind can send signals to your body and tells yourself how to hit these difficult up and down chip shots that he hit to a downhill lie that to tap in range. Um, having a proper perspective and the correct mental health and ideas and positivity can really change how your body reacts in those moments. How to clutch up on the 70th hole and make birdie when things are getting close, when Keegan's in trouble. How to stripe a drive down the middle on the 72nd hole, right down the middle of the fairway, under immense pressure, trying to close out a tournament. The mind is so powerful, guys, in affecting your physical ability um, into manifesting feelings and thoughts into real, like, actual change in your body function. Excuse me. There's a couple of things that like, like I think of the the placebo effect, you know, of, of how your thoughts and how things can impact how you feel. There's also this, this nocebo effect. I was talking to my wife about it that I think is very interesting. If you haven't heard about this, uh, there was a study recently involving people taking uh, antidepressants a couple of years ago. 26-year-old guy was in part of this antidepressant study and basically wasn't feeling good, took the whole bottle of pills, right? SSRIs, Xanax type stuff, downed like 35 pills. Immediately after, realized what he just did, called the ambulance and said, I just took a whole bottle of pills. Please come and get me. The process of the ambulance coming to get him, his heart rate spiked outrageously. His, he started sweating all over. His blood pressure went way up, almost borderline convulsing, and like almost went into cardiac arrest. Like this guy almost died. Ambulance shows up. They get out and say, what did you take? Points to a bottle on the dresser, empty. They, the, the, the medic sees the doctor's name on the bottle, calls him, and says, what is this medication? He, he, we think he overdosed on it. We need to know more about it. And the doctor said he wasn't in the group. It was a water pill. They tell this guy that immediately he stops sweating. Heart rate starts to come down. Blood pressure levels. He immediately feels better. And this just like illustrates that the impact of the mind can have on your actual body. Like his body went into fight or flight mode and thought he was dying. Like literally almost killed him because of something he thought that he took. When he took nothing, um, it's the power that the mind can have on how your body actually reacts. Um, the same can be said for the placebo effect. So that's more common, which people know about. But it's basically 
taking nothing, but you think you're taking something that makes you feel better, makes you perform better. Um, it has a positive effect on you. Now, whether it's something or whether it's nothing, your mind thinks it's better for you. Um, this is the same thing with spirituality. This is the same thing with positivity. This is the same thing with perspective. If you can work on your mind um, every day, and I try to do this, and Max is one of the reasons that I kind of got into this a couple of years ago when I heard him talk about it, but you work on it. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days, but the belief is there that this, this thing that you're doing um, is going to at one point have a positive impact on your physical life, on your health, on your abilities, on things that are going to happen to you um, positively. So this is the journey that I've kind of been taking part in and why I wanted to sort of start this segment. And this is the thing, this is, I think, is a similar path to what Max is on, and he has really embraced it by taking the time to focus on having a healthy mind, a nourished mind mind. It's put his God-given physical abilities in a place where they can operate freely, without hesitation, without stress, without anxiety, because he knows he's good whether he hits that shot on 16 for birdie or whether he hooks it for double. Um, he said, I'm going to make a boatload of money either way, and I'm going to go play the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks with another opportunity and another chance to win. There are going to be potholes along your path, and if you can teach your mind to react to those positively, it's going to have an effect on the physical outcome. Some thoughts on perspective, some thoughts on the power of the human mind that are pretty deep. And I think it's important that um, we all take a few minutes, whether it's reading a book on it, whether it's listening to this for like three minutes and just thinking about your own life and how the changes that you can maybe make, I think it'll have a positive effect on you. I think it has had a very positive effect on Mr. Max Homa. I wish him all the best. I wish you all all the best. Thank you very much once again for checking out Preferred Lines. Make sure to like or subscribe or thumbs up this thing on the way out. I'll see y'all next week for the PGA Championship. Peace.